0: It's a young lady in Santiago I want you to meet. Paloma? You're late. This is gonna go brilliantly. I know. I've done three weeks' training.
1: You were excellent.
0: You too. Next time stay longer. Dear listeners, and welcome back to the James Bond Complex podcast, the show where we rejoice, discuss, and analyze in the finest of details the James Bond, from Fleming to films, and everything in between. Oh, I'm one of your co-hosts. My name is Edgar. And I am, as you guys label me as the international man of mystery, Jason Kim. You are the international international man of mystery. Who needs Austin Powers? It's so passe. We need to modernize this stuff a little bit. Uh, So exceptional desperate times call for desperate measures. It's just Jason and me this evening. Uh, We're recording this on a Monday, and it's supposed to be this Wednesday's episode. So here we go. (laughs) Um, Guess what we're talking about. (laughs) There's just no time to die. (laughs) no time to die Uh, by the time you're downloading this you may have already listened to uh, the non-spoiler episode that me and matt with two t's recorded 24 hours ago so there, there are no more spoiler warnings. We're spoiling this movie rotten. This Apple will be disgusting by the end of this episode. Um, I'm saving a plot synopsis for another day because, as I just mentioned before I hit record, I have no idea what my stinger, my funny stinger at the end of the description is going to be because this is a special one. Um, Jason, as listeners, tune in to last week. Uh, you were in London. Yes, I was. Uh, you were a plus one, as I understand it, for uh, Jeremy Davies. James Davies. James so, Davies, excuse me.
2: And uh, his Instagram is very
0: easy to remember. Do you expect me to talk. <laughs> well played, well played. Also, om, almost the name of one of my favorite podcasts. They go by, do you expect us to talk? Because there are three of them. Um. So... We know how your experience during the premiere was sounded pleasant um we know you mingled with the stars uh we know you again seduced brit Eklund. uh it's fine none of us are jealous jason don't worry (laughs) what i want to know though you talked about the red carpet you talked about shrublands you talked about london you talked about needing a cigarette after the movie even, even though you don't smoke explain talk to me jason why did you need a cigarette at the end of the movie
2: oh man this well i mean the premiere itself was just so much the process i mean like I, uh, for those listeners uh, who haven't listened to me before uh i actually attended the specter premiere and i you know stood on the fan side and watched the stars drive up in their limousines and the red carpet and i thought that was mm. just as fun mm. but this is the first time i actually walked through the red carpet and mm-hmm. which is and i'll say this i've i've seen and attended many premieres throughout europe because premieres are a very european thing pre-covid by the way
1: yeah
2: Uh, they're very easily accessible very fan friendly but the no time die premiere really showed that james bond is not just a movie character it is it is truly a british institution like Mm. how many other how many other film i mean i mean avengers endgame is the biggest film of all time but Did uh, Prince Charles, I mean, Prince Charles, Camilla, Kate, William, and Kate attend, and did the royal band play God Save the Queen during Avengers (laughs) Endgame entrance? Like, they didn't do that. Like, it was truly (laughs) a British institution, and uh, most premieres are always held at Leicester Square, but this is the only premiere that's always held at Royal Albert Hall, but if I'm wrong, please correct me. And, like, you talk, seeing all the cast and crew on the red carpet, like, literally, like, a couple feet away, and watching daniel craig interview way I said to you like mm. and the only star so i missed out on this all the stars that attended the premiere or got invited to premiere like the english football captain harry kane or christian <laughs> yeah. christian red bulls christian horner and his wife jerry halibut who almost became a uh mm. bonder herself or emma rataconda who was the u.s open british tennis player but i did see jason Momo, like nice but like just but just being like, just so close to all the cast was just a whirlwind of experience. And one of my highlights was speaking with Chris Corbold himself. Like uh, he was just standing, like because he eventually got uh, on the stage to talk, you know, do the interviews, like all the other cast members did, but like he was just standing on the side and then nobody, most people, most casual people don't recognize right. exactly. Chris Corbold. Same. But whereas like, you know, I've seen all the bond extra DVD commentaries and, you know, Hmm. and for it, or for many other films and Chris Corbould is a is a veteran stunt coordinator. And he's hmm. He truly worked his way up because uh, he began as like a man on Spy Who Loved Me so he was like maybe nineteen twenty right. 20 at the time and now he's like the lead stunt uh, uh, developer for mega action films and he does hmm. his job very, very well.
0: As is evidenced in the many action sequences of No Time to Time for that matter. Um, so you chatted with Chris, first name, ba- you're on a first name, basis. I yeah. can't claim to be on a first name. I can I can claim to be on a first name basis with George, such as yourself. I can't claim to be yeah. on a first name basis. You can claim to be on a first name basis Chris, with uh, Roger. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but
2: definitely, definitely Chris Corbott. Chris Corbott is a very, very fine, uh, cordial gentleman, mm. English gentleman. And mm. uh, he was very happy that I even recognized him because most bands don't. Nice. Yeah, like that's
0: sweet. Oh, that's cool.
2: And then I was like, "Hey, Chris, I was like Chris Corvo, I was like, hello. And then he came up, right, and, then, uh, and I and I first thing I said to him is, "Uh, I'm a huge fan of all the work you've done for the Bond films and other other films such as the Nolan trilogy and whatnot." Mm. And he's like, "Oh, thank you." And I and, I, and then I said, "Up, uh, your work really truly inspired me to pursue the career I did because I am a vehicle engineer by trade." Mm. And I t- told him, uh, "I've worked on uh, SUVs, sports cars, and now I work on military tanks." I took out my government uh, government ID to show that I'm not looking for <laughs> up. So, and I thought I was a real life Q. And uh, so. Uh, that's when he one, replied,
0: uh, that's when he replied, oh, you're the Jason Kim for the James Bond complex.
2: Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs>
2: and uh, so right behind us, so like the cars were kind of like scattered around the red carpet, more or less. I never got to take a picture right. with the V8 entity. Mm. The V8 Vantage, unfortunately, because I was on the other side. Right. But uh, I saw the two of the Land Rover Defenders that were used in the film were on the carpet. I took pictures okay. with them.
1: Okay.
2: And uh, I conf- and he confirmed a lot of my uh, not s- suspicions but my uh, predictions on why those cars were specifically chosen. So mm. a, a Land Cruiser, which Bond drives, and I've dr- mm. by the and I and uh, I've talked with this. With Matt Spazer, he's like, "Oh, how did you think about a Land Cruiser?" And I defend, pun, pun intended, I defended the use of the Whoa. Bond driving the Land Land Cruiser because when I was in the Middle East, I drove a Land Cruiser all across some very shady terrains. Interesting. Like, awesome. Like Bond, like Bond would. And the Land Cruiser that he drives is like eighty. It was like a late nineties model or early two thousand model. It's a it's a body on frame, so that means that you have a cab the bot the car cap mm-hmm. and then the suspension is welded okay. at the bottom sure. at the you know at the end of the assembly process mm-hmm. whereas the land cruisers these new l six, six, three. so usually land cruisers are or land rovers not so, so i know there's too many so land cruisers are body on frame but land rovers themselves are also body on frame but these new l six six three land cruisers land, uh, land rover defenders are something called unibody, So that means that the suspension and the cab are already welded to be, are built together. So it's not right. like they ever attach each other.
0: Is there a particular advantage to doing it that way?
2: Speaking uh, of so advantages. There's, uh, so there's, there's advantage and disadvantages on both sides. And if you see the film, the Land Rover, the, La- the Bonds Land Cruiser is the one that's doing a lot of heavy driving, whether, whether it's fording, fjording across like small ponds in, mm. in the Nor Norwegian or Scottish terrains, and it was a very traditional four by four. So that's why, because uh, so when Bond is driving at different angles, when or when the chassis is going through different angles, mm-hmm. it's a lot mm-hmm. more. At, it's a lot more advantageous because the suspension is independent from the cab, the cab okay, of the vehicle. Right. So so he has a lot more control of the vehicle, and that's why when he smashes those. Defenders, the defenders went flying out because like, he had more stability control on gotcha, the car. Gotcha.
0: Luck of the draw—he picked the right car, or Madeline picked Madeline, the right car. Madeline, <laughs> yeah. So it
2: was. So that's—they were going for a traditional 4 x 4 experience for Bond, whereas when we see Saffin's henchmen in the the, the new Defenders, they're they're throwing like, aerials across the mm, yes. They yes. Start, yeah, and because the suspension is already welded into the cab up. Uh, they're able to perform those aerials and, and be, and, and ensure the driver's safety because, uh, the chassis or chassis, the suspension aren't going to be ripped apart
1: mm-hmm.
2: when they do aerials. Cause you see those cars like keep going. And then I've seen some of the stump reels where the defenders rolled over and that they're, they're still able to drive. And it's because the suspension and the cab are not, are dependent, not independent of each mm-hmm. other. So it's all one body. So it's called right. a body.
0: Interesting. You know, it's quite something that that's a, it's a great action sequence in the film. And, you know, these are big vehicles comparatively speaking. So seeing them, it's, they're not jumping, you know, 16 stories in the air, but when you consider how massive these vehicles are, these, these, uh, these cars it, it's quite something to see them you know flip flopping around on that norwegian terrain it, it again it's just another brilliant example in the in the laundry list of this franchise's history of you know they do this stuff for real and they really wreck the shit out of some of these cars <laughs>
2: and then the defenders because they were unibody they were able to just stop uh i guess the welders or, the, or i guess the technicians were able to weld roll cages inside the cap of the vehicle so that when the cars flipped or rolled or
1: mm. did
2: high aerials up, the car's not going to get the Defender L663 didn't get crushed because the roll oh, cages I mean. protected the drivers themselves. Interesting.
0: So, that's well-made car. It's a well-made car.
2: Because, oh, it's a very well-made car. So because it's a unibody, it's a lot more rigid. It's a very rigid SUV that's capable of being punished through uh, through many, through many, many stunts. Whereas the Land Cruiser, if he, if if Bond tried to do one of the aerials that the Defenders did, because it's, because the suspension and the cab are independent, independent of each other. Uh, so you remember in Living Daylights when Bond uses a laser to cut off the, to saw off the police car off the cab and the and then he says saw corrosion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what. What because the Land Cruiser, Toyota Land Cruiser, is a body on frame vehicle. If Bond tried to do any of those aerials that Sabin's henchmen did, that's what would have happened to his car.
0: Oh, interesting. There, nice little t- trivia there.
2: Because it's because the suspension and cab are they're, they're just nearly involved. Well
0: yeah.
2: And and so it's just a uh basic world well It's not like conjoined per, per se. And uh, I think the the advantage both I mean, nowadays suspensions have gotten a lot more advanced. I know the Land Rover Defender has a new air suspension, so they're able to modify the height, of the, the height right. of the vehicle. So okay. they could. So um, Chris and I, Chris, yeah, we're on a first name basis, but Chris and I had a very good conversation regarding that, and he was very impressed with my knowledge. And I didn't really talk too much about the DB5 chase because, like, I, I don't really want to spoil my. I don't want to spoil. You know, like have mm. any spoilers? So that's why I didn't really ask too right. But like, watching the pre-titles sequence, like I was very impressed uh, when the DB5 goes down the stairs. up uh, because like it, I was like, man, that's one way to like destroy your uh,
0: gas <laughs> uh, the oil oil. That's one way to like remove your oil pan from your car. Right, right. The pre the 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 vehicular mayhem, as I shall describe it in the pre-title sequence is quite an impressive. I mean, it's not like an Aston Martin DB5 from what well, DB5 by its definition, by its name is obviously from a good few decades ago. Like it, it's not like that's a car that's supposed to be doing the things that's doing in the pre-title yeah. sequence. So, I mean, it's, it's, you know, one of not a particularly well-kept secret that I'd, it's, it's not truly an Aston Martin DB5 under the hood there, but but still, it, it looks really impressive on the screen. How, what, what was your reaction as the engineer of the show? What was your reaction as to how they put some of those stunts off and the pre-titles? Oh, I, I thought it was very impressive. It's probably one of the best stunts
2: sequences in the entire Bond franchise. I, and uh, I watched, you know, like I said, I'd watch a lot of making behind-the-scenes videos, and some of the ones I did watch regarding No Time Dive, No Sport, you know, I mean, I know the program to the episode, but uh, when Bond... Uh, turn, uh, opens the Gatling gun and just goes berserk as he flips the car. <laughs> yeah. uh, totally. So they obviously, so they obviously had to build roll cages into the Aston Martin. So like the, when that, they were filming that, only the stunt driver was in. Like Madeline's stunt driver was not inside the car because mm-hmm. you didn't have to see her. Because right. and then he was just, and he had like the two gears to like you know to be able to do that. And I still have not been to Matera, but I've been to a lot of you know cities with old towns like that, like in Croatia. Mm. Yeah. Or other, you know, other countries in the world, and a lot of those limestones are very slippery. Uh huh. So and
0: the traction wouldn't, uh, shouldn't be as good as. Uh, it is. No.
2: So, and this is what made me really happy was uh, I heard um, Chris Corbolt said uh, he dumped like several, like hundreds of gallons of Coca Cola across the, the that square so that the tires would be able oh, to stick.
0: Interesting really it's you know i love hearing stuff like that uh because it's it's very
2: it's it's very practical
0: yes yes you know it it this doesn't have to cut we're already spending enough money as it is on this damn movie let's try to figure like simpler ways to make this work he
2: just said he just he he's like yeah i brought like a couple gallons of just coca-cola or or soda (laughs) and he's just
0: like just poured it onto the interesting that's really awesome uh, I, it, I, I'm very glad we're doing this episode tonight. I, I'm blowing, it's blowing my mind, Jason. So let's, let's, let's go back a couple of weeks. The movie, you know, the, 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 credits have rolled. It says James Bond will return at the end of the movie. It does say that what exactly is the mood in the room? What's the mood in, in the hall? Uh, on the street as you're walking out. Who are you talking to? Who are you sitting next to? What what's going on there at the end of the movie? I sat next to Daniel Gastner and then I met up with Peter
2: Booker, David Stretsky Paris. Nice. Jeff, you're your, uh, yours truly's uh Canada's uh, Jeff Bible and uh Murray. <laughs> I don't sorry I don't see your last name Gillespie, but uh and then as well as Morton of James Bond magazine and uh I remember Jeff's first uh, when we all came out of uh, the, the royal albert hall jeff first asked hey guys i had to go to the bathroom what happened at the end
0: <laughs> that <laughs> is that, that is a very jeff that's a very why boion esque uh line i'm not surprised you so, would deliver that but
2: uh a lot of you know a lot of people asked like what was the reaction and i'll say this is uh throughout the movie with no time that because pre- we were the first people to watch it around the world Like throughout the movie a lot of people clap throughout the film whether it was a gun mm. barrel or when we first see bond come out in a tuxedo with Anna, their arms mm. on the side or when johnny Moore's electric guitars to the james bond yeah. strums when yeah. he arrives to uh, mi6 with a v bandage, like those are three of the many scenes that people applauded but no one applauded at the at the end of that
0: uh, <laughs> uh, no time die. <laughs> Oh, boy. Uh-oh. Was it awkward? Was there tension in the air? Was there sadness in the air? What uh, What was the mood like overall? It was very dour is what the mood was. And uh, I mean,
2: I just needed a breath of fresh air, not because of the movie, but because Royal Albert Hall is, is not a cinema
1: for mm, those who don't know. It's, yeah.
2: it's, a, it's a theater from the 1850s with wooden seats. So I was cramped up in a tuxedo for three yeah. hours. so that was, I was like, I just needed a fresh breath of air, yeah. and I needed a and I need a cigarette after
0: right. this experience. Light of fag, I need one. I didn't know you smoked. I don't. Um, yeah, it's. It, it was interesting. that It was a funny mood. Um, I've seen it twice. You've seen it four times. To- How many times did you see it in London? I only saw it once in London. I saw oh, it three times in America. Yeah. Okay, okay. What, um? What's the mood been like? Uh, the other times you said, do, do you, do you have the sense that it's usually the same mood walking out of the theater or has one in particular been, I mean, presumably the Alberta Hall one was quite special, but, but is it the same vibe? It's weird. It's weird walking out of no it's, time to die. It's,
2: I think uh, in my repeated viewings, maybe my friend who I watched it with last night, uh, he's not a I mean, he's a Bond fan, but he's not like a Bond community, like, because he's a DJ by trade, but uh,
1: cool.
2: maybe it's because. Maybe it's because he's more attentive than I was, uh, but he walked out like just really enjoying No time to die and and he's like and he's like man this movie was so badass and <laughs> I think oh and I did want to say uh in the fourth screening I saw uh you know people clapped at the four, the other three times that I mentioned but mm-hmm. the one time when people clapped in this packed theater was when James walks down the corridor and he does that. He does his one. Daniel Craig does this one final last gun barrel shot across the seconds,
1: yeah.
2: right? Like okay. When, All right. And my friends are, oh my gosh, that's so badass! And, and half the theater, <laughs> half the theater actually clapped when he did the final gun, you know, gun barrel yeah. pose. And
0: people thought that was just so cool. Interesting. Yeah, it's you know what? I didn't even. Uh, I mean, obviously, it's it's an imitation of of the gun barrel pose, but. The, the way you just verbalized it now jason his final gunbrow i'm like oh shit that is his final gun Brown damn it um well, well
2: but i didn't want to go back to london uh is uh so when i was trying to go back find my way to the casino that david saritsky invited me to mm, the hippodrome at a uh, lesser square uh, yeah me and daniel gas and took the tube to the tube london metro there mm. and then there were a lot of people who were coming out of the premiere, and we could tell because everyone was dressed in tuxedos, and <laughs> they weren't necessarily our Bond community members, but just like, just local uh, Brits who live right. in London and there's, or just throughout England. And I like, I loved how very public this premiere was. Like, yeah, I mean, getting the tickets were hard because like they were sold in three different ways, but it was very accessible because mm. I know people who got it like a week before the. I mean, that's a, this story for another time, but uh so we were walk, you know we were taking the tube with people who had just come out of the film and the general reaction at least that night of the premiere was very positive amongst brits i mean i'm mm-hmm. sure they're bond fans but they're not like hardcore mm-hmm. fans like us. And they're like they're like wow this movie was absolutely brilliant and then i even asked you know because like i could tell some of these people were clearly neither bonds because you know, they attended this event and i said what you what did you guys think about the reuse of Honor Majesty's themes? And this is the question I've been asking a lot
0: of Bond fans, and all. Right, so oh, we'll get into and, it. Oh, uh, talk and, to me. And uh, they all unanimously said, "Oh, it was brilliant. I loved it." Interesting. Well, okay. So the other people think it's brilliant. What does Jason Kim think of it, though?
2: I I liked it a lot. I really did. Like I thought it was a very sweeping, romantic music. Interesting. And I know, I know a lot of Bond, uh, and I know. I, I knew that that was going to be a very polarizing point amongst the Bond fans, the use of using a former theme to, uh, in a modern film, mm-hmm. like, cause I was talking to Matt Spazer and Matt Spazer hated the choice of that. And I, mm-hmm. and he, and him and I said, I was like, it's not like we watch Skyfall and here,
0: live and let die. In the <laughs> <laughs> nope. No, I, I, I'm, mean, you know what? And, uh, I, I'm overwhelmingly positive on, on the film just to be clear uh, in case nobody heard the, uh, Non spoiler episode, but um, if I'm going to be nitpicky, I'm going to side with Spazer on that. <laughs> I just I <laughs> could I could not get into it, and the way Spazer, what well, you were not, I didn't speak to him. You're the one who spoke to him, but the way Spazer replied to you, I'm like, yeah, it's kind of like that. It's like it wouldn't make any sense. I mean, it makes a slither a slither more sense because it's a romantic theme, and No Time to Die is a very romantic movie the story is very romantic so it makes a sliver a bit more sense but still don't like it no did you like did you like the cues
2: when uh bond and em are or hammersmith bridge and through the mission debriefing, the briefing and when they're talking about the heracles and you hear the snippet of the did you how, it, how did you think about that
0: it, look, it, it wasn't as in tr- it wasn't as on the nose as the uh, rendition of, of the, of all the time in the world. But so, so it wasn't as intrusive. It wasn't as on the know. So it didn't bother me as much, but again, it's just one of those musical choices. Where I'm like, but, but why is the movie doing that? I don't know. What's the why I'm a very big, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to school for journalism. So I'm getting accustomed to asking why explain this to me. I don't understand though. I don't know what the why is. Um, I th- but- I thought it was because uh, the story is about love and
2: lost, which is what Honor Majesty's Secret Service was about love and loss. Yeah. I mean granted the DNA warfare is I mean you could get into that but like I think that but in the end, the theme of both films is about love and loss and that's why they use that theme. and I will say this is a across the board from like not my non-bond fan friends, they all loved it because they don't know what it's referencing to so, they it's never felt like it it's not a yeah. fair comparison yeah so i um, mean because i i i personally well i personally liked it but i definitely see the other side of the argument Because, like it kind of was like the star wars the force awakens uh reviews like it's like some people like the film but then a lot of people thought hey it's a carbon copy of a new hope and that's kind of like what we got here in no time that or at least the or Hans zimmer's choices in no time that at least
0: yeah, yeah, it's not like um I mean they they lit the the old closing credits begin quite literally with Louis Armstrong's. We have all the like it's not this isn't subtle, like it's I don't know, very um Barbara's a smart person, Nick is a smart person, Fukunaga is a smart person. I'm sort of sitting there going, like, really, all those smart people and they Still went ahead
2: with that. (laughs) I and I have another. I have another theory on why they did this. Go ahead. Because this movie was supposed to come out in 2019 originally. Maybe they did it because it was supposed to be the 50th anniversary of Honor. (laughs)
0: Majesty. I mean, when Fukunaga got on board, that wasn't coming out in 2019 anymore. Yeah, that's true. Uh, ugh, that's that's stretching um, yeah. <laughs> again. But look, it's it's that's that's the the least of my. I don't. I frankly, I really don't have very many issues with No Time to Die. But you know that that's one of them. The bizarre mm-hmm. musical cues. Uh, what are yours? You know, look, it's the spoiler episode. So let's tackle the elephant in the room, or is maybe. We, we we had the pleasure of spending the weekend with shamir here in montreal the 800 pound gorilla in the room what are your feelings about uh the dearly departed commander bond david Zaritsky's first response to hey jason we're
2: all out of a job we're all fired we're all, <laughs> we're all fired and i i said it was I, I said to him i'm like it's a sabbatical and he's like no we're fired. We, uh, we don't have a job anymore we're, <laughs> we're done
0: all- this is the, by the way, listeners, this is the final episode of the James Bond complex. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. No, go ahead. Go uh, ahead. I'm I, interested.
2: So, I mean, uh, it took me a while to process it, but uh, the more I think about, it, the more I think, thought about it, as well as the more I watched the film, I genuinely like the ending a lot.
1: Hmm.
2: And I'll go to, because uh, like, I felt like, I mean, I was talking about this with some of my British friends and, uh, who are you know who are cinephiles but not bomb fans themselves but like if Mm -hmm. you watch all all five craig films he leaves or retires mi6 at one point in each of the five films yes so like whether it's whether it's by force by choice or not by choice like he Mm -hmm. leaves the mi6 like this guy hates his job and he always comes he leaves and always comes back like that is like that's a very toxic relationship and (laughs) i thought that and that, that is the definition of a toxic relationship. Like You leave something, you go back to it. And uh, I felt that, I mean, because we see this. So he's retired already five times already. Or in Casino, he even submit his letter of resignation. So I thought killing him off was the best way to send off Daniel Craig's commander, Bob, Commander James Bond, because, uh, you know, like if he just retired or just like, quote, unquote, stay dead as Mallory puts it in hmm. Skyfall like that just brings Bond back to square one as we yeah. saw in the beginning of the film so I thought it was it it was it was the best way to move the character
0: hmm. that's an you know what I, I didn't see it like that but I'm I'm digging what you're saying I, I don't have a in theory I don't have a problem with them killing James Spun. you know they made them they clearly made the movie they want to make and it's, it's a very very good movie um but, I, but it's an interesting perspective. As Bond would say, it's all a matter of... I, yeah, I'm digging that. He, yeah, he continuously quits. Not that we didn't notice that, but, but the fact that he continuously uh, quits the service and has, is dragging... Yeah, every time I think I'm done, they suck me back in. Um, yeah. Maybe killing him off... In that context, maybe killing him off does make more sense yeah oh no i i can dig with that i can roll with that and then uh because this was a good i thought this was a very
2: good arc of the five films of daniel craig's five films and uh i was rewatching casino royale again and there's two lines that me and my friends noticed that really kind of set the tone of both daniel craig's arc as well as no time Die. first is uh when bond and M, judy Dench's and that is meets mm. at uh Meets a finds salon dead in the hammock.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Judy Dench's M says, "I would ask you to, you know, remove your emotions in this uh, hard time." I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'm not botched a line. I, I know he says, he says something along the line of, "I would ask you to remove your, detach your emotions during this hard time," but that doesn't seem to be your problem, Bond. And Bond replies, "No," with mm. a straight face. Yeah. But, contrastingly, Daniel Craig's Bond was the Bond who actually cared. About death throughout his films, whether it was the death of Ben, mm. Judy Dench's and even Strawberry Fields for that, matter, mm. you know, for lack mm. of a better word, and eventually, uh, uh, if he had to sacrifice himself for Mathilde, uh, for Madeline uh, and Matilda, so like he was the bond that cared, and when he first breaks into M's apart, M's flat, he says, "I do understand that doubles, the Doublos have a very short life expectancy." Uh, your mistake will be very short-lived, so don't worry. And so I think those two lines really kind of set the tone of where his film, I mean, they didn't plan it that far ahead in no, 2005, 2006. They probably. certainly
0: did not. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but uh, but like when, as they made this film, I think that was what they meant by, not just blow, by blowing up Vesper's gravesite, but like I think that's what they meant when Carrie. that's what Kerry Fuganaga meant when he says, this movie will close the art from Casino Royale is that he drew a lot from the lines, the script from that film itself, from, you know, from his debut film.
0: Yeah. It's an interesting point. Now I, I did not, to be perfectly honest, I did not think about the, you know, uh, remove your, uh, I'd ask you to remove your compassion, but that's not a problem. And he replies, no, I didn't think of that, but I did think about the apartment scenery. he says, uh, O's have short life expectancy, so your mistake will be short. I did uh, not necessarily up after the first viewing. and I think it was after the second viewing, but I remembered that. So yeah, Fukunaga, uh, I mean, clearly he knows his 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 bond, but yeah, interesting that he would go, pre- I mean, presumably it would be kind of cool if he did do that, Fukunaga, but that he went back to Casino Royale and said, that's the line that sort of will clinch it when we go full circle and and yeah. He did not last as long as the other 007. So yeah. I could even though this movie was
2: almost three hours long, there's a lot that they cut. For instance, uh, because I went to because if you guys saw the, the James Bond complex Instagram page, I went to where they filmed Q's House and, mm-hmm. and when I talked with the owners of the Q's house, they got paid very handsomely <laughs> for a scene that for a scene that apparently lasted only 15 seconds outside of their house. But we mm-hmm. never even see the outside of the house, like because uh, apparently the scene was like Bond driving up and Bond and Monty Penny getting out. There was like, a couple shots of that, but then mm-hmm. that you know that all got cut out. And, and that's one of the many examples that got cut in. And, right. and, another one last thing I want to touch up about the ending was uh the man that we do not whose name we did not mention in this podcast. Your favorite okay. Person, all right. No, okay, no, hit me. What's going on here? Uh because uh, you know the official response of Danny Boyle leaving No Time Die what was then Bond Twenty Five was mm. because of, he said writing issues, mm-hmm. writing or story development. Mm-hmm. The uh, main reason for the departure was Barbara Broccoli uh, presented and Daniel Craig presented like we want one of the options to be Bond to be killed off. You know, like you know, mm-hmm. let's as we develop like. One of the things that we're going to consider is killing off bond and danny boyle was adamantly against that like oh he didn't even want to film that so and then that's what caused the rip and and the delays and departure so maybe danny boyle was the hear that a bond fans uh needed uh. <laughs> so you know what's the line of dark Knight? what's the line that gary oldman's uh commissioner gordon says in dark Knight? he's not the hero that He's the hero we need, not the hero that we deserve. Maybe yeah. that's what Danny
0: Boyle—that's oh. what
2: Danny Boyle was.
0: <laughs> man, I've spent the last two years shitting on that man. <laughs> I apologize if Danny Boyle, the acclaimed Academy Award-winning director, is listening. Uh, I apologize, <laughs> my bad. <laughs> um, look, it's a very dramatic ending. It's—it's um, it's, you know when you consider the character's arc throughout the five films and his behavior. And you brought up the, the, uh, the term toxic relationship. Um, it it does make sense. Um, and I, it was bizarre, you know, it's still bizarre watching it, especially the first time, the second time it wasn't as strange, obviously, because you know what's happening, what's going to come up. But certainly that first time I was like, really, they're actually doing it. But even after two viewings, uh, I must say I didn't appreciate uh, the scene back at MI6 where they make a toast to Bond. and did or did not? I did not. Uh, okay. Negative, negative. Okay. I want to hear your thoughts here. And I, I told this to uh, Matt last well, – I don't want to make this sound dated, but the second time we went to see the movie, before the film – I said, I'm wondering if my feelings are going to change about that scene. They did not. I still don't like it. And the reason I don't like it is so you have M, um, Q, Money Penny, and Nomi, I guess back, back okay. to being 007, and Tanner. And,
2: Tanner yeah.
1: mm-hmm.
0: and they're toasting to Bond and they're all very emotional. Okay. I'm watching this scene going, okay, Nomi, you met him. Probably last week. Uh M, you've been his boss. I mean, really <laughs> been his boss for one movie and you haven't seen him in five years. Q, Money Penny, you've known him for two movies and you haven't seen him in five years. Tanner, okay, I understand, Tanner, and, and they're all like on the verge of tears. It it felt like the type of scene where, like, okay, they're on the verge of tears for the audience. In the universe of the film, I don't really get why they're so sad. Bonds, uh, Craig's Bond and Mallory never got along. Why would he be so sad? It, I it just, it didn't make, it, it felt like a scene for the audience as opposed to a scene for the characters. So okay. un- unfortunately, and I, had, I take no pleasure in saying this. I don't. But unfortunately, that scene really doesn't work for me at all. Well, you no, know, I really I really appreciate your viewpoints. Because even though I do disagree,
2: like, I do like all your points a lot. And personally, I liked it a lot. Because like, I thought it was, like you said, I think it was a scene for the audience. And the first, my immediate reaction was, when I thought, I want my funeral just like that too. I don't yeah. want no five-day-long funeral or no weeping. I just want... I just want to be cremated and I want everyone to have to, to drink two, two double barrels of any scotch that's available and just drink and drink to that and be done. That's what I want my funeral to be. So that's why I personally, personally sure, like
0: it. Sure. Well, I mean, Bond was no, certainly cremated in this movie. Uh,
1: yeah.
0: It's an ashes gone in the wind. Uh, and then there's the little, the, the little ending scene where it's Madeleine and Mathilde in the vantage and You've, you've shared a, a good number of stories Mine's not as cool But last night our, My second viewing uh, Someone was giggling <laughs> well, <laughs> like, uh, Oh yeah Someone was giggling Like I'm going to tell you a story About a man named Bond, James Bond And someone laughed I was like Yeah, it's kind of corny <laughs> I'm not sure this really works I actually um, like that
2: Because Casino ended with Bond, James Bond And his final film is
1: Someone yeah. else's
2: thing and, mm-hmm. then, and then, and then, and we get another, we get another gun barrel to
0: end the film. You know, yeah. you know as the, as the, of, I thought that was a very beautiful shot. Of the top, the, it's a the nice of the shot. I have no problem with the shot. I have no problem with the cinematography. I just think the dialogue's a little bit on the corny side. Um, I mean, blessed little Matilda's heart, uh, but I thought it was a little corny. But look, I, it's, you know, it's one of those strange things where like I'm complaining like a whiny little bitch about the last two and a half minutes of a three hour and 44 uh three hour and 43 minute long film so you know i don't want to spend the rest of this episode sounding like i'm i'm, I'm whining and complaining because it's a really good movie because <laughs> it's, it's very very good um oh and here's my last thing i wanted to say about bond's death was
2: uh like i said like we said this is a very spoiler interview this I'm gonna spoil the shit out of it is uh it really reminded me, even though the circumstances were very plot and circumstances were very very different, but maybe it's because of the daughter, the mother daughter angle, as well as the death scene. Up, uh, it really reminded me of home, home. The show, home, the show type show, mm. home Homeland. And the first three seed so we see Damian Lewis's character Brody, who returns as a prisoner of war, and and people determine if he's brainwashed or still a hero, and then. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, he dies by execution in in enemy t- territory uh, serving his country. Right. So, and I mean, that show went through a lot of highs and lows, but his death scene and the way uh, his character was commemorated at the CIA memorial of that show, uh, mm-hmm. it really put a, it really, quote unquote, completed his character's arc very well. and it, and, and then obviously it left him with uh, Carrie Mathis, or Carrie Mathis, who's played by uh, gosh, uh, what's your name, uh, Claire Danes, and oh, and his right, uh, man. and his daughter, and for them to move forward, what wherever they go, and I thought so. When coming out of the film, um, that was what that was my immediate reaction. I was like, "Hey, it's like Homeland, but you know, obviously the circumstances, plot, are yeah, very, very different." But yeah. the way it ended and
0: and completed that story worked maybe. me oh, fair enough fair enough i mean look it's 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 an interesting way to to kill the character you know self-sacrifice you know for for a bond who was as passionate as he was for several things and in this movie it's his his like wife basically and and his daughter um, you know, the, the timing, you know, there's not enough time to get off the island. I suppose the missiles are coming. They look like fireworks, by the way, those missiles yeah. like <laughs> yeah, oh, so we're celebrating his death now. okay. um which I mean it's like kind of arm, but um, I mean, still so like I thought you know what it was, I was gonna say
2: so what were you going to say? I can't recall, but I mean, it'll come back to me, but well, uh, let's let's so, talk about
0: one of the other controversial things about the film. Let's talk about let's talk about seven And I ain't talking about Bond here, I'm talking about the real 007.
2: Hmm. I I, I really like Lashawn Lynch's character a lot. I thought even though she didn't get as much screen time as I expected, because like this was hmm. truly Daniel Craig's movie. Yeah. But but I thought her character was really well developed. I mean, her character was in the movie just enough I like did like I, I'm sure there were a lot more badass scenes in her but like I, I thought her character was very well fleshed out in the scenes mm. that she was in and the first time we see or I guess the second time we see her when bond she takes bond to his
0: needle ride
2: needle ride and, need and that takes off her hair in the in the in the lights off and Bond replies hey that's not the first thing <laughs> I, I thought you'd take off and I Joe Darlington said this back in December 2019 when when the first trailer came out and I'm so I'm giving credit where it's due it really reminded me of it was a very good modern take on the Roger Moore Rosie Carver's first meet in the hotel because mm. like when, mm. when I like, I mean don't bless, uh, bless Roger and Rosie uh, Carver but uh, I, I love living that thought but you know like in that in a modern context that's kind of like very like dehumanizing woman mm. but like In this context, it like gives a very good 21st century take on woman and Bond. And I mean Phoebe Mm. Waller Bridges, because people were worried that oh, is Bond gonna go woke and you know, like politically correct? And Phoebe Waller Bridges herself said, like, I never changed anything about Bond. Bond is interesting itself. He Mm. does not have to he he as in Bond doesn't have to respect woman, but the film does. And I thought this movie Really did that
0: very well. Yeah, I'm glad you bring that point up, uh, Jason. The 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 Waller Bridge angle and and what you know we think she might have. She didn't write the script from A to Z, but we know that she played a, a considerable hand in its development. Um, and I'm glad you bring up that quote of hers. Uh, I think it was she answered that in an interview some time ago, and and that is the vibe. I get it. it the, the movie is uh, obviously. I don't know why. Why are you listening to this episode if you haven't seen it yet? But in case you are, you know, now this movie isn't "quote unquote" woke like in the slightest. It, there's there's none of that in the movie, and so many people were terrified of it. It, it feels it's it's a really solidly made James Bond movie with a very particular angle because it's a true love story the the the, the love angle in this movie drives it to the home stretch so it, it you know it'd be a little bit weird if he started sleeping with with everybody left and right this isn't modern Mastery secret service but <laughs> but that love angle is is the film's anchor it's the film's beating heart so you have to respect that that the film uh, in the filmmaking process has to respect that, but everything around it is pure bond. Yeah. It's pure bond. Oh, uh, it's brilliant. It's really, really well done. Uh, yeah. Just... I, mean,
2: no uh, bad. I, I mean, you could, you could tell like which lines that Phoebe Walter Bridges, uh really contributed to. Like, it's not just the female characters per se, but uh, I mean, I think a lot of the clips, because like what I like, so set the record uh, clear, Daniel Craig is never, was never bad at, comedy or humor as bond because like, he's clearly had some good moments like in casino Royale. he's like oh your name is in your broadcast and he's like you're not my type smart single like that was a very clever line or versus <laughs> and uh when he tells monica Bellucci, C- uh lucia Sierra," uh i'm still i still life insurance at a
0: funeral. i thought that was yeah. well done that- oh i love the um I-, I always get a kid no one seems to like this one uh you know uh he was an assassin, trust me. He won't take it personally. Oh, I, I, loved, I freaking I, I, love that. <laughs> I love that line as well as the Mickey
2: Mouse line. Like, I remember a lot of people, a lot of my friends felt a very good Roger Moore vibe with the, both those lines. But I thought, like, one of the lines, what is it? Oh, five minutes, time for a drink,
0: Inspector. I thought that was... A, so good. Yeah. And there's a lot of this, uh, and dare I say, the lines are better in this one than than, than Inspector. I,
2: it's not so much that they're better, but I think, or no, they are better. But it's more so that they hit the punchline because of Phoebe Wall. Because Phoebe Waller-Bridge is a very huge back, deep background in comedy, uh, all sorts of comedy. Uh, I think the punchlines hit hit mm-hmm. you very well, but never overstays its welcome. Such as uh, when Q finally kills Prem. Oh not Q! Uh, Bond kills Q with his uh, a mech. <laughs> I that was. Oh, that got a lot of applause at all four screenings when I saw it. And oh he's yeah. like he's like Bonnie Q's like Bon, Are you okay? And and Bond says, uh, Q, I just showed someone your new watch. It really blew their mind, and <laughs> everyone just
0: started I love it. And, like, I love that it line like, so much.
2: Like it hit, Like I said, like he doesn't overstate. He just it hits the punchline, and then it just mm. moves on. Like,
0: <laughs> mm. oh no, the comedy really works here, and." You know another little moment I, I like quite a bit. It's not a line of dialogue per se, but it's um in the Cuban sequence when the, the when the shit hits the fan and and everybody's killing each other. Um, he takes a, a servant's tray and throws it to knock down Waldo, the okay. scientist, then chugs the martini, throws mm-hmm. the glass away, and the little pause he and Anna. Uh, Anna uh, he and Paloma. Paloma have to like shut down more martini. Or, no, it's not a martini. I think they're, it's There's a, a sh- shot. It's it. like, wow, this is, uh, we're, we're going into Roger Moore, which I have no problem with, but we're going oh, into yeah, Roger Moore territory here. It's, it's good. I, I mean, the,
2: a lot of people do praise the, Cuba, the entire Cuba sequence as quote unquote the most fun part of the film.
0: Oh, it's so much fun. I
2: mean, after that is when Felix dies, unfortunately. And mm. I kind of, i remember like the first trailer interview that yumi and matthew did uh matthew predicted that felix may die or, <laughs> or he even predicted at that point like nobody's the one who kills felix or whatever that would be a little harsh a uh, no, little harsh that'll be a, that's a little hard yeah but uh and then when you when us four yumi emery and matthew did the trailer review of the second film uh one of the questions that we came up with like oh is Blofeld gonna be at large or not and mm-hmm. Emory said Emory said no this movie's gonna leave no loose ends like everything that happened to Craig ends with this film and, <laughs> yep. and, he, and he and he and he was right yeah I agree with I agree with at the, you know before I saw this film I agreed with him to a certain extent I thought I thought it was gonna end like Dark Knight Rises in that it's gonna leave no loose ends and Bob can still be free but It truly went the Logan route, where it because Logan because Logan killed Professor X and that clearly killed that entire universe.
0: Professor X killed everyone else. The movie kills Professor X and ends by killing Wolverine. So we're done here. Go home now. Hope you like the movie.
2: (laughs) And uh, and I was telling a lot of Bond fans this, who may or may not be disappointed with the ending. Is like, I'm glad they did this the killing of Bond in this film because like, that means that they can never do it again because if they ever tried it again it's going to take the gravity away from that future film and when Bond 26 God bless me, whenever that starts uh, it truly gives the Bond actor number seven a truly a good clean slate to do whatever he wants like doesn't I mean, actually, yeah. I personally want I personally want Ray Fiennes to come back as them, just a Judy that dip mm. did but and because he's he's still the youngest then by four he's not even 60 so yeah.
0: You no, know, you can keep them for a long time. It's funny. Me and Matt were, uh, as we were heading into our second viewing last night, we had a quick chat about that. I can't remember if it was him that brought it up or me that brought it up, but we, but we were talking about the the MI6 family and going like, "What? Wow, like, it would be cool if they brought all those actors back because they're so they're so good." in their roles, like it would be a shame, you know, Louis Maxwell was, you know, the money penny for several bonds. Desmond Luen was the, was the cue for several bonds. Bernard Lee was for several bonds. It's not like, I mean, it is a rebooted bond who just died. So I, yeah, it'd be a little bit strange. Um, I can still see them recasting these roles. Um, I hope they don't. I, I hope they do what, like what you said a moment ago, Jason was just like, well, it's Judy Dench. Like she's too good. Just bring her back, anyways. I mean, Um, Ray Ray finds himself
2: that he would like to continue because it's because like his. I mean, granted, his role of M slash Mallory is a lot more developed than his predecessors have been, mm -hmm. but. His scenes never take more than two weeks to film. And yeah. he could just, and he says it's a role that he could do like on his off days from the uh, London West End. So, like,
0: <laughs> yes, that's right. Did you know, Or well, you've seen it four times and you're quite an eagle eyed film viewer. So, I'm sure you noticed that in the brief scene when Tanner goes to see M, there's an interesting painting on the wall. And I'm not talking about yeah. Judy. So I wanted to
2: bring that up. I'm glad you brought that up because. Uh, I think this movie so should Robert Brown's M. So this movie finally confirmed that uh, Bernard Lee's Miles Messerby M. and Robert Brown's M. are two separate people. And yes. Not only are they two separate people, two separate M's, but Robert Brown's M. is also separate from Admiral Harveys.
1: Mm. That's the way I interpret. It. Yeah. And yeah.
2: I I I haven't posted this photo on our Instagram page for that per for that reason it. 'cause I went to Burlington Arcade just like every Bond fan did. Yeah. I went to the I went to the Omega store, took a picture nice. at the at M's office set, and they had the exact Robert Brown painting in that store right nice. next on the side. Nice. And I purposely didn't post that photo yet because it could have been a spoiler for me. Interesting.
0: Uh, I right. with the mild of the spoilers, but if you're like a, if you're, a, if Bond is like crack cocaine for you, yeah, sure. I guess it's a spoiler. Um, but no, I thought that was kind of cool. There's a deleted scene, but we don't, it, in the deleted scene, there's an Edward Fox painting. Uh, oh, on the other yeah. side of the wall. <laughs> 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 but uh, yeah, I hope they bring back the MI6 family. I can understand why they wouldn't because... You know, it's a clean
2: slate but... yeah
0: it's a clean slate but damn it they're good ben wishaw naomi harris ray fines uh i mean no i guess you can't i guess you can't bring back nomi because she is 007 and if james bond always returns well he has to be done da- i guess you lose nomi yeah i guess so damn it damn it <laughs> for the record I... I do like nomi i think she's pretty cool so. yeah she was really cool when uh
2: so I thought so yeah, so I really like so I you could watching this film, you could really tell that Carrie poop Kanaka was a true Bond fan that and, and whether one liked Honor Majesty's cues or not, like there are a lot of like good references just littered throughout the film and it never felt forced per se, because like Dying another Day, a lot of the references felt forced. And mm. although I I personally like Spectre a lot, some of them Felt forced to because I felt like Sam Mendes was kind of running out of ideas, but this was a really good fresh take on the the legacy mm. of James Bond. Uh,
0: yeah, I'm I'm not going to pretend that I picked up on on every single uh, one of the, the 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 callbacks, and and I, I and I don't believe a Bond movie has to do callbacks every single time. I guess one of the more, to my layman brain, one of the more obvious ones was when the uh, title sequence begins it, it's obviously aping a little bit of a doctor no style there with the colorful oh, yeah, yeah. dots um i'm not then, sure how then, i feel about
2: that but and then the and then the winding clock and the hourglasses, on her majesty's
0: yeah well certainly yeah i mean majesty's is is a film quite uh i i guess no time to die which which still by and large does its own thing and i and i yeah. like it because it it's it's a spiritual rebirth of no of, of no time to die. What the hell am I saying? It's a spiritual rebirth of, of Majesty's Secret Service, sort of, kind of, a little bit. But uh, we haven't talked about uh, our villain, uh, Safin. Uh,
2: so uh, this was... So, so I talked, you know, whether people like the film or not, um, and including my friend who, who I watched last night who really loved this film. And he thought this was like one of those badass James Bonds. And cool. a lot of my British a lot of my British friends say, this is easily a top five James Bond movie out of the 25. Interesting.
0: Very good. Very good. It's always nice them, to know that. I, I don't care that James Bond dies at the end. You like the James Bond movie? Good enough for me.
2: <laughs> and, and I know a lot of British podcasts, including my friends podcast who i interview for uh they'll say casino's number one no time that for arguments sake, like casino's number two, one no time that's number two and a lot of people mm. will kind of like stick with that ranking right and but everyone says uh it's not a fault of rami Malik per se but i thought Sapin was definitely the weakest weak, the weakest link or the killest heel of this film
1: mm-hmm. like because
2: like uh i was telling because I, I thought Rami Malik was fantastic as Lucifer Sapph. Like, who names their kid Lucifer? I was like wondering now. Like, people who get you...
0: shot—that's who names their kid Lucifer Sapph. <laughs>
2: like, what is It's like, oh, why can't you name it Satan Sapph?
0: I know <laughs> it's ridiculous. Why? Why? Why do that? And I say this in the I mean. It's 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 known that his name was Lucifer Safin, but I think I in the episode we did yesterday, I say something to the effect of like, well, when you've gone that far deep, let's just 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 call him Lucifer, man. Just just do it at that point. Yeah, and
2: then uh so like Rami's Malik, because you know, I've watched Rami Malik act for many mm. years. Um, Mr. Robot,
0: Bohemian Rhapsody. Rhapsody
2: and then even before that, uh he had a minor villain rule, or not a villain, he was a very strong henchman
0: in twenty four season wow. eight. Okay I didn't see that season. I know he has a tiny little role in the master PTA is the master.
2: Yeah 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 okay. and it's crazy in the master like there's a, there's several scenes where him and Joaquin Phoenix share scenes together and I always find it hilarious that Joaquin Phoenix was definitely a much bigger actor than still is today. Mm-hmm. And Rami is the one who won a best actor before Joaquin Phoenix did. that always like you know like
1: yeah, big, yeah, yeah. I
2: always find that ironic and uh just like his performance as Freddie Mercury, uh, he's the type of actor who conveys a lot of his acting through his movements mm. and the way he expresses himself versus like dialogue was like when on film quality side, him as Freddie Mercury, like the way he like just moved that like yeah. he was just so spot on.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: and that's what he really did well in uh, No Time Die as Lutzi Prasad and like the way he kind of like presents like a very haunting presence whether he wears the no mask or not then I joke I joke I've been joking seeing that uh, Robbie Malek's been wearing the no or the no mask because like he looked too much like Freddie Murphy like I was just waiting for him to sing like mama <laughs> I just know the man
0: are you are you saying okay? So is No Time to Die a, a perfectly fine film the way it is now, or would it have been a better Bond film if the villain had been Rami Malek as uh, Freddie Mercury? Which well, which which one do you want?
2: It's a tough choice. It's a tough choice.
0: <laughs> like, I mean, I, I would have loved after he shot
2: up Madeline's wife and he sings, "Mama, I just killed a man." Put
0: or uh, him, put, put another him. one. Another one bites the dust. Yeah. <laughs> God, uh, no! He's a great actor. It, it's interesting that you bring up his physicality because I actually find him to be quite uh, immobile. In he's almost like a specter, um, even though he kills specter, <laughs> but he is like a specter in this movie. He doesn't move that much, actually. Well, or
2: so. not so? Much, I guess like we only see him move like mostly in the pre-title sequence, which is very like a horror film, and I thought mm. that was very good. And uh, he but is it, or not, not just movements, but like the way he like moves his face and that kind of like does a lot of his facial expressions. Like that's, he conveys mm. a lot by doing little. And that's, that's not something that many actors can do, but he mm. is one of them.
0: No, I don't look It's, it's uh, most people think he's a fantastic actor. I agree that he's a fantastic, I think it's one of those cases where you have a really good, you, you know what, honestly, it's a little bit like Christoph Waltz and Spectre all over again, where you've hired an excellent excellent actor who you know is going to put in good work but if the writing's just not quite there it's just the writing's just a little bit off I sort of walk out of the theater going like did they miss it did did they miss the mark just a little bit with the villain and I think I've seen it twice you've seen it four times I've only seen it twice but two viewings I'm like "Mm, I you know name me some Bond villains I'm not going to say Safin right away Oh no! I would, I'd say I'd still say
2: from the five, Craig Aaron villains, uh, Silva is easily easily tops mm. tops the five. And uh, my biggest problem with Robbie Valent Sackman was that uh, we never really—I mean, we never really get a motivation out of why he wants to do the things he did. Yeah, like mm-hmm. so I felt that his character arc was already complete uh, by the time he, you know, like after Blowfeld is dead, because like. You know he exacted yeah. his revenge he killed off the he massacred specter oh yeah he got his he killed blowfeld or he he let he let a chain of chain reaction that looked mm. killing a Blofeld. he got his family island back from specter so i'm like what his character arc was but like i mean some people say uh he was quote unquote the merchant of death so like he was selling the heracles samples around the world but like something i mean and like he gives very good i mean i like i do love his dialogue he says like when he says like most people want to be manip- you know like manipulated. they just don't know it did I, I really i truly mm-hmm. sorry but i truly did like that line but like something i wish there was just more clear motive behind him like something as simple as mm-hmm. you know like Trevelyan says like you know my parents were betrayed by the british government or yeah. carver says something more ludicrous saying i want my tv ratings to go up or, you know but uh something if sapin or Robbie malik if they added a lot he because he had a lot of good lines but if he had said something like to line up i want the world to suffer as much as i did like you know yeah. something, something just dark like that like i would have looked i think that would have just truly made him you know like kind of helped to make that leap from
0: okay to truly great like something like I agree with you, Jason. Uh, you're bringing up some very astute points. I, I, I you're, you're hitting, as the British would say, uh, you hit the, the the tail on the donkey. Uh, yeah, that something is uh, is missing there in that final stretch of the film. When when um, I can't remember if it's Tanner or Q, goes like, oh, Bond, the two ships coming. No, it's um when when Safin talks to Matilda and say, you don't want my protection? Well, feckish off, and she feckishes off. And as they're walking away, uh, he says, oh, quick, we got to hurry the, the, the shit here. Like the, our buyers are coming. I'm like, buyers? Yeah, yeah. Who, what buyers? Where are the buyers? Oh, but there are these two boats approaching the island. Yeah. It feels like such um. it feels like, you know what? That feels like Purvis and Wade going like, oh, crap. What's Safin's motivation at the end? He uh, wants to sell it. Well, he wants to sell it. Like, well, to sell it. I'm like, no, it's not good enough. It's not good enough.
2: Like, because I felt like the audience really had to like really s- stretch their minds a little bit. But I felt I wish that it was a little bit more direct. Pers- you know, like we just discussed, like just establish a motive. Whether it's greed or I mean, I didn't think greed was an issue because he owns a freaking island. What yeah. more does he need? Yeah, but, like, it's,
0: it's funny. Although I do like the the tete tete he has with Bond in the in the pool there, where he. Uh, I do really like the dialogue of we're both uh, we're both poisoned with a broken heart. Yeah, that's a really good line. I do like that line.
2: I, and then this was a problem that me and David Turtzky had during our first first viewing of uh, the time that. But I've come to appreciate this as a, or maybe because I missed a lot of points. As like the first, I remember first viewing, I said first we said what's sappen's motive, and then, and when everyone's evacuating, uh, we're like we're like why did Sappin stay back when everyone's evacuating, and then mm-hmm. that, then upon repeated views, I realized Sapph. Sapin and his men were never evacuating maybe the scientists were because they were trying to run away from collateral damage but Sapin and his men were always going to stay in the island because they needed to sell the heracles project I mean, so like just realizing that made me like the third act better but still didn't improve Sapin as a character itself
0: yeah no and um i think it's supposed to be cathartic at least to an extent when bond picks up the pistol and you know, pops a few caps in his ass, and he's dead. Uh, you know, it's it's brutal. It's it's very Bondian. It's cold. It's quick. It's violent. But is it be, but because of the shortcomings of the character in the writing, it doesn't feel as cathartic as it should. Yeah. So that's a little bit, a little bit disappointing. Uh, but but the the I do like his set though. Oh, his his set the set for his base. Uh-huh. Um, I, I love this sleek, cold, dark, <laughs> damp aesthetic. I thought that was really cool. It it, it harkened back to... Uh, the, Adam's day. Yeah, Cat, the days of Ked Adam, the golden years of the Bond sets. And um, it was nice seeing that, I mean, for all intents and purposes, for the first time in the Craig movies. I mean, yeah, Blofeld's got his little base in Morocco there, but I, I was I've never been really that impressed with it um this looked pretty badass like this is oh, what yeah, a bond yeah. villain should be this is where a bond villain should be living because
2: uh, like uh i talked with matt spacer and his review of this you no know, time that was a lot more positive than i expected it to be oh. and
0: uh i guess he wasn't talking I mean, about it, the clothing very much
2: <laughs> no he, he or i mean because uh, him and i tend to agree on a lot of things but we, we disagree on the correct ones but he really did enjoy this film overall but and one of the key things that he had heavy praise on and several of my british friends did it, is up uh, is the third they praise the third act because we truly got a bond film where they're like infiltrating a villain base mm-hmm. and, and it's a truly like spectacular set and so, some of my british friends are like they harken it harkened the days of like you know you only left twice or spy mm-hmm. love where they're raiding a villain's base and and so they wanted that grand scale. And we finally got that from a Daniel Craig film.
0: Yeah. And not only that, but it's uh, for the first time, I believe, since, uh, since Gold and I, we have two Diplos working on a mission together, which is pretty badass. I do like that. That is,
2: that is pretty badass now that you think about it. I actually I just have to think about that. Yeah, you're right. Yeah.
0: It's fine. And, and you know what? And it was really genuinely nice finally seeing that NPL Kashmir commando outfit. Uh, in the freaking movie for whites, instead of stills and trailers, it looks good. It's a nice, I, I I'm still not buying the suspenders when he takes off the cashmere, but, uh, but when he's wearing the cashmere, whew, whew, that's commander bond right there. I still have not
2: bought the hen the white Henley that he wears because mm-hmm. I, I own a lot of Henley's, mm-hmm. several of them being white. And a lot of people praise David risky praise of Luke tagger praise my Henley's, but and then i saw the exact henley at the rag and bone store in new york city when i was there a few weeks weekends ago and i thought about buying but i passed but then after upon repeated viewings of no time Diet, it is the outfit that he wears the longest because you, you gotta remember he he wears it since after he feeds matilda the apples all the way to his death scene oh, it's yeah. his that's true so So it's the outfit that he wears the longest and it's that it's his final outfit. So I may actually pull the plug and pull the trigger. (laughs) For for sentimental
0: reasons. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Interesting. Well, so he's so he's wearing the Henley when he's also wearing that uh, uh, apologies to Zeritsky, but that dreadful duster jacket. What I describe as a, a bath a bathrobe jacket. I'm like, yeah. why is James Bond wearing this? Why is James Bond wearing this? It's not a good look. I don't want Bond. why oh, wait, it's too late now. They made the movie, but but I don't like Bond, Bond wear I'm glad he doesn't wear it that long. Although he does wear it for one of my favorite action scenes in the movie, uh, the, the the foggy forest.
2: Oh, I wanted to bring that up because like, I the circle back to because. Uh we began this episode talking about the, the SCV chase and going to the foggy forest. And I'm glad that I'm not the only person and from all the conversations I had. I'm not, I'm glad I'm not the only person who said that reminded me of Jurassic Park
0: in a good way. In a good it, did, way. It, it, it did a little bit to be honest. I, I haven't said it to anyone yet, but I thought of Jurassic Park too. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh,
2: when he like took out the land rover, uh, the defenders with the machine gun and the grenade launchers and mm. And when he finally takes out Ashes, Logan Ash's uh, Defender. You're dead. Get out of this movie. <laughs> so I really liked, I I thought that was a very brilliant callback to both For Your Eyes only when Bond kills Locke, as well as uh, License mm. to Kill when he kills Killifer, because like, in both times yeah. he's avenging, he's a both, both times he's avenging Felix Light. so yeah. He's, yeah, like, I, I had a brother. Both times. I had a I had a brother. His name was Felix. And he, interesting.
0: I interesting. I, I really, it's sometimes, um, I think Zeritsky is a big fan of saying this. It's sometimes it's the little moments. What are the little bond moments? And for me in that sequence, if we're going to stay in the foggy forest, the misty forest for a few minutes, um, it's when he, he, he sends, uh, he leaves, uh, Madeleine and Mathilde in the little shed there. Don't, don't, uh, don't move. Um, and he starts shooting. firing the pistol to distract uh, or to, what? yes, to distract, but to make it sound like he's over there, but he's actually running the other way that uh, even the first time Saturday night, I was like, that's f- James Bond would do that. Cause James Bond's a smart person. He would do that. I like that. Um, and the, and the car flip. That's because that's he cool. saw the, he saw the log and then. Yeah. He love it. Love it. I don't know if it's my favorite action beat it might be maybe the foggy forest is my favorite action beat what did you have a particular favorite uh i'd say the land rover
2: initially i remember when i first saw it i I know a lot of people didn't like the scv chase initially but people but after they had conversations with me they did because i explained the technicality of it because everyone's like because initial the fans were like oh you know it's just bond playing bumper cars with each other just (laughs) pushing them with them but then, like when I explain the technicality and why those mm. cars were chosen, like people actually begin to appreciate mm. that. And obviously, me being the gearhead, uh, the DB5 chase by far easily. Uh,
0: easily, yeah, interesting, yeah. Well, it's great you uh, you you would come come to the movie from that perspective. So that made that makes sense. That makes sense. What do you think of um? There is there is a oh, pretty no, cool.
2: Oh, go ahead. Uh, another, another action scene I really like was after Bond sends Nomi, Matilda, uh, Madeline away. When he takes the, when he takes his M4 carbine, just like starts shooting all the, <laughs> when he like, when, when he runs down the, when he runs, not so much a staircase thing, but like when he runs down the, down the, the pool of mm. the factory of Heracles, yeah. like, he's like shooting everybody and then presses the detonator to blow up that yeah, cool. lab. I, I, you know, cause we both are pretty physically active people and I do a lot of F45 and I truly yeah. like. I truly love the unpredictable physicality in his action scenes and that scene was that was my third favorite action scene.
0: Yeah no it's it's pretty cool and, and there's the you know the 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 not one take where he's going up the steps there but with uh, you know basically shooting everybody in the head and then blowing primo's uh, brains out. Um that's, that's a pretty good one too. It's a pretty good one too. There's someone I've seen the movie a couple of times. There's someone, I think it's just after the <laughs> four grenades explodes. There's a lot of fire and smoke. The first person he shoots, I'm like, how the hell did he see him? I've seen this movie twice. I still can't see the guy he shoots, but it's James Bond. So it works. And
2: then maybe because of the nanobot or the Heracles nanobot plotline uh, and it's just Bond going just to berserk in the final third of the film. like It reminded me of of uh, the video game Everything or Nothing when he goes back after mm-hmm. Willem Dafoe's Diablo and Heidi Klum's uh,
1: Tatiana.
2: Because <laughs> like, it reminded me of all those levels and I was like, yeah, this was truly like a video game finale yeah. of a James Bond film.
0: Yeah, no, it's big, it's bold. And, you know, I'm not even talking about the fact that uh, our, our beloved Bond uh, bites the dust, but just as far as, yeah, the set, the action, the music, the tension. Yeah, it's it's really... Big and bold. I mean, it's uh, when's the last time you know the the Venice the sinking house is pretty badass. Um, I guess the burning up hotel in quantum is good. Um, I do like Skyfall blowing up, that that's pretty fun. Um, the boat chase and mi 6 sinking inspectors. Like, well, what are we doing? Uh, but no, this is this is the biggest one. This is the coolest yeah. one.
2: Yeah, I've up to up to this point I always said uh, Casino Royale Venice House was my favorite finale of the Craig era but uh, I think this one definitely beats him now um, and because like the Casino Royale finale like the way Paul Haggis wrote it it was, re- it was really interesting because like in Bond's psyche he wants to kill and he wants to fight and kill Vesper but he also wants to rescue her at the same time so it was kind of like a mm. thing
0: different- yeah and you can tell that there's that struggle within him because as yeah. he's on the chase on the prowl it's to kill her but once she's in the sinking elevator, it's suddenly to save her. But it's not, con- I mean, it, for, for Bond, the character, it's, he's confused, but in the best sense possible. He, he, it's, it makes sense that he's confused, that there are these conflicting, um, conflicting emotions. Um, we've mentioned the name Mathilde a, a couple of times in this episode. We haven't really talked about the concept of Bond being a father, where, where do you stand on that? Uh, what, what did you make of it?
2: Like I said, uh, it kind of reminded me of Homeland. And uh, I don't want to be too offensive, but like Bud Weston, I joked, he says uh, the reason why Bond died at the end was he realized how, how expensive it is to raise a child <laughs> in the 21st century. Uh-huh. And it's and a and a government and a retired government pension's not mm. going to cover that. So he said, "Just F it up, Just kill me, and yeah. if, if I survive, I'll let you. If I survive, if I survive the missiles, I'll let you know."
0: Oh goodness gracious, good uh, bless bless your heart, Bud West, if you're listening, bless your heart. Uh, yeah, it's it's a it's an interesting one. I know, uh, Jason, you you haven't read the Fleming, so you know I'm I'm going to yeah, risk yeah, spoiling something that that no, is. I, I, a f-
2: I've, that's you're, what I am You're aware, yeah. You know, uh, no, I did read you only you only left twice
0: when uh, mm, Suzuki's pregnant. Pregnancy. So, yeah. you know, it it's not completely, you know, it's Fleming on a technical level, it's Fleming. Um, a bold choice, very bold choice. The one thing I don't understand about how the Matilde angle uh yeah, how the Matilde angle is handled by the filmmakers is when so we're we're leaving London, Blofeld's dead, Bond knows where Madeline is, and you know, they they I do like the little sort of you no, know, is it my timing? Is it my sense of feel? That's pretty good. Um, and he wants to go in for the kiss, and there's a child. And Bond's like, oh my God. And Madeline says it's not yours. But and and you know, but the blue eyes. No, 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 it's not yours. And it, it gets a laugh. You know, I, I've seen it a couple of times. The, actually, actual in in my rooms, it's gotten always a chuckle. Has it gotten chuckles in your room when when she? Oh says yeah, yeah.
2: oh yeah. And then and it also got chuckles when when she says, "I want to show you something," and he
0: says another chuckle. <laughs> That's pretty good. Um, but then about an hour later, because this movie's so freaking long. No, it really is. His kid. So I'm like, well, was that just for a gag? Earlier, and now we're supposed to suddenly care even more because it is his shot. Ch- I just thought, I, you I, have, I
2: have an angle on that, and is uh, because people, several Bond fans, have been debating about who's the better Bond girl for Craig's Bond was it Vesper or is it Madeline? And you know, the easy answer is always Vesper mm. per se because of the just the brilliance of every green, but. I say you can't really compare those two relationships because like uh, Vesper was in a sense a love at first sight. Because you know, mm. immediately after the train scene, and as soon as they go to the casino, like he sets a passcode after her, so that means that he truly loved Vesper from that moment on.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Whereas like the character of Madeline and the romance was built on distrust and he, first, <laughs> first, first, straight up hatred. Because I thought, <laughs> I thought a lot of the things in Spectre were forced, but I thought Matt Les to do was brilliant in the things when, when she hated Bunch when she's like, Get away from me, or Morocco, <laughs> like, like, If you come near me, Mr. Bond, I'll kill you. And, yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. So, so I thought it was actually appropriate that I mean, gag yeah, sure, but that I, I really did like that she told Bond that's not yours because their relationship was always built around distrust.
0: Yeah, I think Matthew. Um if you haven't listened to the non-spoiler episode, I think he says something like, well, they, they mistrust each other so much, they're actually perfect for each other. Uh, it's a match made in heaven because it's all about mistrust. Um, yeah, I, I guess so. I Maybe, you know, it's the first time that they're having a very private moment in five years, if my math is, it makes any sense. Um, so she's sort of like, you know what? The guy's probably stressed out enough as it is I'm not going to add this extra. I, that's, uh, that's sort of my interpretation of that joke. It's like he's he's dealing with enough as it is. Uh, so am I? Like I'm the mother of this child, and people want to kill me too. Um. So that's sort of what I chalk that up to. But it, again, there was still something odd about the fact that no, it's actually his child, and and it's revealed in a bit of a funny way too. It's really solidified in the Safin speech scene. Uh, and Bond does he really react to? It? I mean, he reacts to it in the sense that he's hiding, hiding a gun, and he wants to save Matilde. But he's going to do that because he's our hero, anyways. But yeah. the, the solidification that no, this is your child. You know, if you if you uh, let go of my baby, I will let go of yours. And Bond doesn't really react to it. I don't know. It's weird. It's weird. <laughs> I, I thought
2: like he kinda caught on to it because he's more clever and uh and I kinda did like that because like I think the I think always like the quote unquote the big reveal scenes, that's a very contrite Hollywood trope that's been like, mm. kinda, like yeah beat into a dead poor, such as the Ernst while I do like Spectre, the Ernst Stauber, Blofeld, quote unquote the reveal that was supposed to be a, a yeah. huge like suspense. Like I think I'm glad that the filmmakers kind of moved away from that when they revealed about Matilda yeah. being Bond's child, like, and Bond not showing emotions, because like that's that trope has been just beaten
0: to a dead horse. Fair enough. Well, I'll, I'll 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 accept your argument. It's good enough. <laughs> um, the, the 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 name of Blofeld has come up a couple of times now. We don't get a whole lot of uh, Blofeld. He he's not our villain. Safin is, is quite firmly our villain, but he's there. Um what uh, what is it as good as Spectre? Is it as bad as Spectre? Um is it better than Spectre? Is it worse than Spectre? I, how's how's our felt?
2: I, I thought he was much better than Spectre for sure. Much better. I mean, yeah. This is the thing about Christoph Boltz is like, I thought I mean I've always been a fan of Christoph Boltz's felt. Like I think he played blowfelt Blofeld very well in terms of like exuding medicine. In the mm-hmm. way he portrayed, such as the, such as the Italy Rome boardroom scene, like he portrayed a lot of like menace in that or where mm-hmm. But I think the I think the reason why a lot of fans, Bond fans and non-Bond fans alike, were disappointed in his blowout is he he didn't play a Colonel Hans Landa. He didn't play Colonel Hans Landa. He played yeah. and it, Which is
0: it's it's let's be honest, it's a bit unfair. It's a bit unfair. Yeah, no. But Hans Landa is so freaking cool. That like yeah. you almost want his Blofeld to be Hans Landa? You almost yeah. want that to be the case? So, um, so
2: like, so like, I think that, I mean, that's the, Colonel Hans Landa is one of the greatest villains ever written. And I think that's what people wanted out of Christoph Waltz upon his casting. But, but he played Blofeld, but, but moving on, I thought he did very well in no here in No Time to Die. Like he exuded that same amount of menace like when he's like, when they bring him down the corridor and madame's mm. actually genuine genuinely fear fearful like even though as much as she hates him uh, she doesn't want to kill me she runs away and yeah. i think and just like rami mal he he has a crystal ball is very good at exuding emotions
0: without doing
2: like, too much
0: mm. yeah no it's i i think it's a good scene um the whole die blow fell die that that's also from you only live twice. twice yep. Um, that was a bit, it was, it was unexpected. You know, it's one of those things, um, to be fair, I'm, you know, we're talking about a, a moment that lasts about 10 seconds, but it's one of those, th- those things where like, I think the filmmakers were like, Oh, but this is Fleming. It has to be in the movie. And I'm like, does it, <laughs> does, does everything Fleming write have to be in the movie? Um, I, I don't know if I really liked Bond going, die Blofeld, die. But uh, but I but I do like how Blofeld dies. Like it, you know, a, a, for, for all my reservations about the character of Safin, not not Rami Malik, but the character of Safin, that's freaking devious. Yeah. that's that's he's being a dirty little devil right there where it's like i'm gonna put it on madeline but bond will get to madeline and bond doesn't like Blofeld because bond annoyed because Blofeld annoys the shit out of bond so bond will kill Blofeld. i win like i thought that was pretty <laughs> i thought that was pretty good
2: um, and then uh I, I really truly did like the conversation the dialogue between craig and christoph Wallace's bond and football i think that was one of the best probably one of the best bond and Blofeld interactions in any of the mm. films that
1: they yeah.
2: were together uh, oh yeah. for the oh for the record uh this is the first bond film since diamonds are forever or if you want to count never see never again it actually, feats, it actually features mq miss Buddy penny felix and blow run those characters by me again so this is the first Bond film since diamonds, or if you want to include never see it never again, that includes M, mm-hmm.
0: Miss Money Penny, mm-hmm. Q, Felix, and Blofeld. Felix, yeah, Felix is the missing link there. Okay. Yeah. 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 Or yeah, or, yeah. or or
2: without Blofeld, it's the first time it has the full MI6 crew and Felix since license to kill. But uh yeah, overall I, I really like the interaction between Bond and Blofeld. One of the reasons is that uh, when when Bond keeps saying, give me a name, and uh, Blofeld replies, Madeline. Yeah. Madeline. And then, uh, at first I thought he was playing tricks, but then if you think about it, Blofeld is actually telling the truth.
0: <laughs> I know. Yes, I know. It's, it's good. Went,
2: it's good. Yeah. So Bond was, Bond thought he was getting duped because he's been duped by Blofeld so much. I mean, if, if you think about it, that entire interaction between Bond and Blofeld, Blofeld told the confessed all his sins and told the truth the entire time. He's like, Oh yeah, I made you believe that Madeline was betraying you, but it was really me. Or mm-hmm. I, you know, I tried to poison you. And he's like, talk to Madeline, Madeline. Like, yeah. and and Bond kept thinking like he was hiding something, but in reality, Blofeld was telling the truth. Though. So That's I think that truth. was actually. So I thought that was actually pretty brilliant. Upon repeated feelings. I was like, wow, that was actually pretty clever.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm not sure why there's a birthday gag in the movie, but for some reason, I like it. <laughs> It's just silly enough that, and it's a party for Blofote's birthday, and he's attending the birthday party through a bionic eye. You know, Mm -hmm. again, it's nice that we got at least one Craig movie that went a little bit cray-cray like that mean, uh, wind works. It's fun. It's fun. Uh, are there anything, we've been recording for, for a little while now, and, and this is not the last No Time to Die episode. Uh, there's a reason why it's me and Jason tonight. Our partners in crime uh, will do uh, their own episode, the scheduling conflicts. So so it's not, listeners, rest assured, it's not the only time or the last time we're doing No Time to Die. But just before we, we, we uh, finish this off, is there anything else you need to get off your healthy chest about No Time to Die?
2: That's a good question. Uh, I thought it was a, I thought it was a very brilliant send off for Bond. And my initial reaction at the time was that, uh, and uh, and my observations have come true. Critics love this film. Mm. G- general audience love this film. Like when I talk to all my when I like when I talked with people on the tube after the premiere or like yeah. my, oh, different podcast friends, like they all rank this as one of the best film Bond films ever. But because of the ending, <laughs> that ending, uh, the Bond fans are the ones who are polarized,
1: mm. and
2: like and like I said, like even the Honor Majesties, that's a very polarizing factor too. But all my non-Bond fans loved it because it's a romantic it's a sweeping yeah. romantic music, and they don't know what it's referring to, so they don't feel that carbon yeah. copy. You know, like, you know so well, it's,
0: not, it's it's interesting. You look at the Craig. His quintet of, of films as Bond and, and the two now, you know, No Time Tonight literally just came out a couple of weeks ago, so we'll let the dust settle a little bit. But the vibe I'm getting at this point in time, at the time of this recording, and this is going up like really fast, um, is you know, you're they wanted to make a movie, they being Eon, Babs, McGee, Fukunaga, they wanted to make a film. They wanted to make a bond, uh, they wanted to make a movie that would uh, appeal to as wide an audience as possible while doing their darndest to still appease the diehard Bond fans, despite what happens at the end. Um, And I think that's why this film is getting such high praise. Much like Casino Royale is also one of the more fondly remembered Daniel Craig movies. It's a brilliant love story, in addition to being a Bond movie. So, No no Time to Die feels like a a mass appeal, uh, sweeping, romantic, action packed thriller. Like, it's doing everything that you want a brilliant Hollywood movie to do. And I think that's why your casuals and your, your non-Bond fans, but they like to go you know, to the movies on Saturday night. I think that's why this movie is being so well-received. It's it's just a big, big, loud, brilliantly made Hollywood movie.
2: Oh, absolutely. And then, uh, I, I mean, I said this in a lot of many Bond chat rooms, is uh, for better or for worse, Ian and G always to follow the trends of its contemporaries. Mm-hmm. So, so I mean, this movie was made in 2019. So since, tw- you know, the last decade, uh, like from like 2015 to 2020, more or less, mm-hmm. uh, we've seen a lot of iconic characters killed off in their send-offs, whether it was Hugh Jackman's Wolverine and Logan, mm-hmm. Han Solo, finally, in The Force Awakens, because he was the most beloved character in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, Iron Man and... Endgame yeah. and as well as Black Widow there and you know Cap- uh, Captain America was quote unquote retired but yeah I mean mm. so that was kind of the growing trend of the past five years so they wanted to like use that to close out the end of Craig's chapter to hit the like you said the gen audience whereas like if, let's say if we pretended that Bond died like in Dark Knight Rises or even Born Alternative like where he ends in the water and comes yeah. away like yeah yeah <laughs> I think the general audience would, would felt like that was so 10 years ago because you know, it is because it was a trend then, but then this is the trend now. So that's why they went with, you know, what's got appeal, what's got to put butts in the seats and that this is it. Right. Yeah. Well, it's,
0: you know, I, I would, I think it would be interesting if they were, if they just went a, a one step further with originality. I mean, let's be honest, the movie opens with a five years later title card and ends with the hero sacrificing himself I'm like where have I seen that before <laughs> it was a couple years ago in that big movie um, I mean I mean, who knows like I mean
2: uh, what is it I mean so that's that's the thing it's like the, critics are praising this movie for quote unquote taking risks even though because it's the first time it's done in,
1: yeah. in this
2: series while wow. while well, everybody's doing so it's like is it really risky but is it but it's considered risky because they never done it. And I'll like, I'll end with two, just two major complaints about this film. Don't I mean, give me three, Jason. S-
0: Don't give me three. Just two. Keep your promises. Okay.
2: Uh, <laughs> I wish there were more. Uh, I wish there was a truly uh, Aston Martin V8 Vantage action scene.
0: Mm. Mm. Fair. Fair.
2: Because I, because I thought, I thought that was com- going to be the "quote unquote" the hidden scene that they didn't advertise, and you know, like. It could have been so Mm. badass. Mm. I mean, granted, Mm. don't get me wrong, I love love the SCV chase from a technical standpoint, and I wish that would have been the, the, you know, they use that car in the seat. I mean, that's, I mean, technically, that wouldn't have made as much sense, but, you know, whatever. You're such a gearhead,
0: Jason. You're such a gearhead. Such a gearhead thing to say. Stop it.
2: And my last complaint is there was no in loving memory tribute to Sir Roger Moore or Sean Connery.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, Rogers left le- left us a, a good few years ago at this point, but none for well, I guess if you're gonna do one for Sir Sean, you, <laughs> you can't not do one for Sir Roger. Uh, so I take that part back. Uh yeah. It would man, that would be you just killed James Bond, and this is in dedication to Sir Sean, or or, or would that not actually work better? Hmm. Yeah. I don't
2: know. I don't know. yeah because like because tomorrow never dies, like they added up quick. In Loving Memory, of copy Broccoli at the end of the film.
0: Yeah.
2: So, yeah. They, could have, they could have done. I mean, I know like Terry yeah. Fukunaga said in interviews like, she just put the movie in a can in March 2020 and didn't want to edit it because, it, you know, it cost money. <laughs> but, but he, yeah, that was his argument. He said, I'm done with it. I'm emotionally, it, it, my it may have been emotional. a little bit tired. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I wish there, that was my, those are my two major pet peeves. But otherwise, yeah. it's a brilliant film. I, I mean, I hope people watch it as many times as I do, and but more so, I hope you, Edgar and Matt, attend the next premiere with me, and as well as Emery for free.
0: Uh, that's that's the plan. I mean, look, it's been a weird, yeah. I'm not. We're not going to get into our private lives, but it's been a bit of a strange. It's been a strange year for everybody on this planet, uh, but from my perspective, it, it you know a couple little things made it even stranger. Um, so, for financial reasons, it would have been a little bit difficult for me to. Uh, to go to London and see my poor little Canadian dollars get disintegrated like James Bond. Um, but, uh, but yeah, Bond 26, uh, we, we do have to do it. We were close, man. We were close for no time. To... <laughs> it, it was going to happen to be fair. It was going to happen. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I just hope that because the movie is so good, it's so well made uh, and it has so many fantastic Bond elements. I I just, There's a part of me that's maybe a bit too naive, doing a little bit too much wishful thinking, and and I'll admit to it, but there is still a part of me that I'm having trouble killing off. That's like, I hope that five years from now, 10 years from now, 25 years from now, it's like, oh, that's the one where Dom dies, right? It's like, yeah, there's so much else going on in this movie. And there's so much. And first of all, the the, the death is handled fairly well, to be fair, It, it is handled fairly well. Um, and there's so much else that's brilliant that leads up to it. It's like, I don't know, but look, man, it is the one where they kill off James Bond. So it probably will be <laughs> like that. So, so we should have brought Daniel Boyle back instead. <laughs> Damn it. I shouldn't have. I'm sorry, Daniel Boyle, or if Daniel that- Boyle's people, or if Daniel Boyle's lawyers are listening. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah.
2: He's not the hero that we deserve, but the, he's the hero that bomb fans need, not the hero that we deserve.
0: Mm, yeah. Well, we got, uh, I don't know if we got the movie. We, you know, we didn't, we didn't get the movie we deserve. We, I said it a few minutes ago, we got the movie that the filmmakers, and I'm including Daniel Craig in this, cause he's a producer. If you pay attention to the credits, he's a producer. Okay. Uh, we got the film that the filmmakers wanted to make. And at the end of the day, I'll always respect it. I don't have to agree with it. Thankfully, in this case, I do, but you have to respect that. So there you go.
2: Over, over, and under twenty twenty-five for Bond twenty-six. Over, or under uh, well, what's that? the year twenty twenty-five for Bond twenty-six release.
0: God damn it, Jason! Um, you know what? Live large. Be bold. Under. Be bold. Okay.
1: Twenty
0: twenty-four. You know, and, and yeah, twenty twenty-four. And the reason I'm going to just. On the fly, I'm going to come up with a reason right now. I think E.ON, uh, since Craig is no longer in the picture, we, now, we are now officially in the post-Craig era, I think E.ON slash Dan Jack are happy with what they did. The critics seem to like it. The moviegoers seem to love it. They're happy with what they did. But I'm going to guess, I have no proof. This is unprovable. But I'm going to guess that they're like, Great. We did it. People seem to love it. It's still freaking controversial. We need to get another one out. Like the movie does say, James Bond will return at the end. If you stay till the very end before the lights turn on, it says James Bond will return. We need to confirm. We need to confirm that ASAP. And because it's it's, it's, if you think of it that way, it's also a business move. So under 2024, three years from now,
2: we're watching Bond 26. Yeah. What about you? I said over at 20, I said even at 2025.
0: Even. Hey, your question was under or over you asshole.
2: You can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but, if, but, uh, but if I was a betting man, I'll probably say 2026, but I like I want your re- rationale to be true. Not mine.
0: You know, it's, it's not just an emotional one because I want it to be three years and not five years. But I, I think from a, business perspective and a brand brand survival sounds so melodramatic, but I'll, I'll roll with it anyways, just for the conversation from a brand survival point of view, it would be smart if they knocked one out in three years after just killing the guy and promising James Bond will return. You might want to actually keep that promise sooner rather than later. Uh, I got a
2: text. I got a text because I'm about to watch a Ravens game, and uh, (laughs) is Ray Lewis uh, is Ray Lewis talking to you? I mean, he's been retired for almost ten years now, which can't believe it. But uh, I got a text from the Ravens new uh, training staff. Uh, He says, "Jason, are you going to the game? And are you going to bring everyone?"
0: Well, we're unfortunately the, bad, the boring answer is no, because I'm in Montreal, but but I'll be watching it on on TV. Uh, we do have we do have everyone, uh, as best we can everywhere. Uh, for example, the James Bond complex, which uh, Matthew's a crazy person, he's saying it's a Tumblr account. I refuse to believe it. Uh, we're also on Twitter at the Bond Complex. We have a Facebook page, The James Bond Complex. Search for us, subscribe, or or like, or friend us. I don't know. Um, we're on Instagram at the James Bond Complex, which I must say, Jason, the past couple of weeks, smashing, absolutely smashing. Tip of the hat. And I got,
2: and I got, and you guys still have more to come.
0: I mm, I love a tease. I always find a good tease quite titillating, and I don't have a third nipple. Um, where uh, anchor.fm that's free and, and I, I like free things and most people like free things anchor.fm is free and uh, we are on youtube we're a little bit slower on youtube but there's some stuff there search for the james bond complex subscribe and tickle us up with tickle us with the thumbs up button and we are at heart an audio format so it's anchor it's google podcast it's spotify and they're my they my bffs Apple Podcasts, search for the James Bond Complex, subscribe, write a review, tell us what you thought of No Time to Die, and leave a five-star glowing golden gun review. But that's not all. We know you're somewhere else on online, Jason. You guys could also find me on Instagram at
2: jsxon 88 where you will, in the past few weeks, and for a few more weeks to come, you'll find more posts that are related to Fleming, film and
0: everything in between <laughs> <laughs> very well oh i like oh we, we did a bookend we started with everything and we finished with it It's the first time i think in four years of the show we bookended it um very well so you know just as um just as james bond uh, you this know what you this know the what the, the james bond complex will return that much yeah, we james can promise bond? yeah <laughs> Uh, so, toujours un plaisir. Merci. À la prochaine. Ciao, belli A la proxima. You can handle any other ones, Jason. Merci. Merci.
2: Merci. 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 Ciao, guys. Merci.